Hello, my name is Tanai and I'm a women's intimacy and empowerment coach. For years, I tried to heal what I thought was commitment phobia, and I realized that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is an opportunity to have conversations about what gets in the way of us creating real intimacy, and how can we have more deep and vulnerable connections in our relationships. This is Commitment Phobe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my first episode with a couple on the podcast. (laughs) They both have had such an impact on my life, and I've only met them once in person. (laughs) Isn't that wild, guys? We've only, we spent like almost, yeah, we spent almost 24 hours together. (laughs) Portal. Yeah, literal portal. And Just to give you guys a little intro, the reason why I'm having them on is because I feel so inspired by the relationship that they co-create with so much room for humanness and play and connection and vulnerability. I really see this being like a new standard of relationship for so many people out there who are like confused about the roles we're playing in a relationship and the role relationship plays in our life. So I'm very excited to have them share with you guys what they are creating together. And um, and yeah, just, just have them open up the book of their relationship for us to learn from them. I also just want to mention that this episode was also prompted by um, one of Kevin's latest Instagram posts where he talks about, you know, people reflecting back to him that, They're just in their honeymoon phase. And he's like, fuck that, guys. We're not actually in honeymoon phase. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that you have no idea about. We're working our asses off on this. We're all in. And Kevin was on a previous podcast where he talks about that exactly, like how they know what game they're playing so they can play it full out. And I have used that quote maybe 50 times in this (laughs) podcast and with my clients. So... Excited to find out what is that work that they're putting in into the relationship to make it work and to keep that that spark alive. So welcome, guys. It's so good to be here. (laughs) Such an honor. Thank you. Absolutely. So let's start off with that Instagram post. Tell us who who are these people that were saying that you're just in the honeymoon phase? Oh, my goodness. I so many Instagram on my end, so many Instagram DMs. More often than not, anytime a relationship comes up like in conversation or someone mentions Kevin, it's always around the lines of like, oh man, it's always just so fun, isn't it? You guys have a blast. It just seems so easy. You're so lucky that you found someone it's so easy with. (laughs) That's my reality. I actually, the reason I wrote that post is my brother said it to me. Mm. And that pissed me off. I had heard a lot of people say it, but he mentioned it. It was actually like multiple times. And my brother and I have an amazing relationship, but he still triggers the shit out of me. And so he said, he mentioned it. He's like, oh, you're just in that. And I'm like, no, that's actually not what's happening here. And we actually had a very deep conversation about what phase of our relationship we were in as a result of that. And we felt like we had transitioned actually out of the honeymoon phase. And as per our general process, we really, we sat down and we were like, like, 
really sat with, okay, what are we moving into? What does honeymoon even mean? What's next? And we started Googling and like, we sat down and we prayed and we created a little ritual and we, <laughs> what did we come up with? We honey like, sun. The next phase is the honey sun phase. Um, and that's where we're in, which is all about building and actually developing and creating our vision in the world for what we want in our relationship, what we want in our individual lives, but it's build mode, right? We actually felt like we moved through honeymoon phase a while ago, but we still, it gets to be sweet and it gets to be like th this whole idea that that part ends is like bullshit. You know, it still gets to be joyful and loving and connected. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's what we really cultivate intentionally and because phases of relationship are so non-linear mm -hmm. right like you can be like just using some common vernacular you can be in a honeymoon phase and then go into trigger and then there's a deepening of love and then you're back in the butterflies like it's that's the cycle of life and what we really aim to cultivate is an ongoing deepening in our space and an ongoing rising in love as we build a life together and holding the reality through that, that it gets to be super fun and super easy as long as we set up the structure and the space to allow for that. Yeah. One quick thing that's really interesting is we I actually Googled this while we had the conversation is what does a honeymoon actually mean? And the origin of the word actually comes from times where in like Germanic, like in tribes in, in Northern Europe, a long time ago, the men would literally steal women from another family and go and take them away until the family gave stopped, up, looking, gave up for looking for them. That's where the word comes from. And so we like, <laughs> I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, we use this word and we have no idea what the fuck it means. People think it's like, wow, I'm on my honeymoon post marriage. Right. <laughs> but it comes from this like brutal context. And I was like, I'm sorry. No, thank you. Um, but I think what's important and what Meg is sharing too, is our relationship has actually gone through many lives, I would even call it stages, right? And at first it was very clear what those would be, right? Hey, we're going to hang out. Awesome. Next milestone is we're going to- Now we're dating. Now we're dating or we're going to have sex. Then we're dating. Great. Okay. Next milestone is we're in a relationship, but very quickly after we got into a relationship, these organic I'll call them like doorways or portals started to happen where we entered a new world seemingly in our relationship. And we were, took the time to really be not just aware of what was happening, but also be intentional with it. And so we'd sit down and be like, great, what are we, what's happening? We had one, for example, where um, I think we had anal sex for the first time <laughs> and we both like, <laughs> we had this experience of God basically. And we were like, okay, this is the whole other world. And we like, went into that, right. And we like, awesome. Let's be intentional with this. What do we really want to create for the next phase of this relationship? Um, and then we crossed. And then we had, time? um, one where we really sat down and we're like, we are really calling in our King and queen into this space. Like mm -hmm. what, does it look like to really be sovereign and approach this space in the world from a place of sovereignty um, in that domain? What does that look like? And what does that mean? How do we evoke more of that in each other? So that was a big one. And another one, and, and these are also precipitated by either peak experiences or massive breakdown. Another one we went through was we had a month where 
and I wrote about this in the post, where it was very tenuous and crunchy. And there was a like, you were, you were in a really intense period of your life and you had just done ayahuasca. There was all this career and purpose stuff that was coming up. I was an intense period and it was on the fritz. Right. And then once we passed through that, it was like a month of just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, can we even handle this? Like, you know, and we survived it. And after that, it was like massive breakthrough. Here's the next phase, the next stage. So just noticing almost great. There are these artificial external milestones that we can set. Like, you know, at one point it was like, cool. Our next big milestone is living together. Right. Um, And we also created those, you know, in our own way, like when we first met, um, this is a really cool practice. I'm going all over the place. So you just tell me. I'm following. Yeah, I'm following. (laughs) There's a great practice we did at the beginning of the year, which was where we wrote down the hundred things we both want to do before we die. And on our list, both of us was go to Paris Fashion Week. Right. And so we went and we like took a month in Paris and we was like, Thing, something that organically came up, but that was also um, another milestone we created. So there are these like big life milestones that everyone sees in a relationship, right? Of like, you know, moving in together, like sharing finances, getting engaged or married, having kids, like all these big life things. But there are so many things that happen along the way that we can see as beautiful markers and milestones for evolution and for um, and even death, right. And allowing things to die. And I think being really aware of that has helped us, uh, maintain so much life and richness in our process, because it's not just these like arbitrary big milestones, but we're really attuned to the milestones that are like naturally occurring between us. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. What it it makes me think of is like in our own individual process, we don't see us as really going anywhere, you know? It's like we take a look at what we need in that moment and then we do something about it. We decide to make a plan. Like this is what I need to step into. Um, and it kind of sounds like that's the way that you guys relate to the relationship. Like wh- where is it at now? What does it need? Um, what do we do about it now? I think what gets in the way for most people and has gotten in the way for me and I'm curious about your experience is that we're so stuck on, but where's this going? But where's this going? It's almost like we need a detox of it. We need to really get that story out of our system, out of this attachment to that question that what does it even mean? Did you guys have that experience individually? Because it's very interesting to me that both of you are in this place, right? So what 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 were both of your experiences with with that? Or was there maybe no attachment at all to the question, where is this going? I love this question. Massive attachment on my end. <laughs> Big piece of work for me. And I think because of that, there are a couple ways I really intentionally came into this space. The first of which very early on, even before we were in a relationship container, very early on, I was very clear. This is like week three, four of hanging out. And I told him, I was like, look, Clarity is very important to me. And clarity is my kink. Clarity is my kink, is what I said. Um, and I told him, I was like, I'm you know, happy to go into that. There's this experience and this experience where clarity was not 
in this space. And this is how that felt in my body. It made me feel really ungrounded. And there's a balance there. Like I want to be open for what's organic and what's happening, but I'm going to ask for it if I don't feel like I have it. And when I ask for it, that's not me asking for commitment. Like you saying, Hey, I don't feel this way about you. Or, Hey, I don't know where I'm at, but I'd love to check in in a couple of weeks. Like that's still clarity. That still orients me to where you're at, where this is at. How did you know that? Like how, what, what, what led you to that point of realization that clarity is what's actually what matters and honesty? Yeah, it was being in situationships, connectionships <laughs> historically that didn't have that. And the seduction of that is that there's, there's the sexy charge of like not knowing and it's electric and it like keeps the sexual tension high in a really, really trauma bondy way. And what's really true is that at the same time, my nervous system was consistently in fight or flight. I like, you know, like just tangibly, like I would lose sleep. Like I'm scrolling back through texts. Like I just feel icky. And I was really, really clear coming into a connection with Kevin. I'm like, I want to hold my space really clear to not have that. And I'm going to be really clear about where I'm coming from and what I'm going to be bringing and you as a sovereign being can interact with that the way you want to. Um, but it was really like the scar tissue of just feeling that so many times and being like, this is when I can draw my line in the sand. Like, this is mm-hmm. not a story that I'm going to be in again. Yeah. Uh, very similar story, scar tissue from failing miserably. <laughs> and- <laughs> but I actually had it more of the other way around. I spoke about this briefly on the last podcast we did, but I was in a relationship where the woman that I was with was really like wanting the relationship. And I wasn't clear about the vision. I wasn't holding, creating any clarity for her. And I ended up really (laughs) devolving into my most like nice guy, people pleaser tendency place and caused her so much pain, like devastated her. Um, because I ended up rather than being clear, I wanted to not be in their relationship, <laughs> but I didn't know how to say it. And so it came out sideways in really hurtful ways where I was, you know, said just incredibly hurtful things to her that I'm embarrassed about how I showed up in that way. And I was so embarrassed about how I behaved that I just said, Hey, I'm never fucking doing that again. And this really needs to change. It was so painful. Like I'm not uh, like it was, it, it, I've never been that disgusted with myself. And so uh, for both of us, it sounds like, but I, I became very clear that in any other relationship dynamic, I one needed to be really clear that I actually wanted to be with the person, but two, I needed to lead with that clarity. And so the first time that we hung out in any sort of context that there might be something between us, I was like, hey, let's talk. Here's where I'm at. Here's where I see this could be going, right? Here are my boundaries and created a bit. And then a few weeks later, like she said, we were getting to the place where like, wow, this is a thing. Are we dating? And she was like, hey, what's the deal? And then I realized that was a moment where I wasn't being clear. And then it was like, yes, uh, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. This is where I'm at. And just being very rigorous about that 
And since then, I mean, kudos to Meg, you've been so, so crystal clear anytime that you feel a lack of safety and brought that. And then, you know, because I do slip up, there are times where I'll think something and I just don't say it, or like, it's actually just really scary and vulnerably for me to be like, Hey, here's what I really want. Like, fuck, this is scary. Like I feel terrified, but here's what I really want. And like, let's get, let's just like sit through this and figure it out, you know? And so that's been challenging, but um, I think her being such a lightning rod for that has actually helped me uncover and connect with even more of what I do want. And so that dynamic has become really fruitful because I can, I get immediate feedback of like, Ooh, this is like unclear and unsafe. And that actually helps me, um, helps me immensely. Like, and then, you know, in turn, I can bring more clarity around what I want and vice versa. It's a two-way street always, but I, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly tag teaming and generally I've like, I've been more active in initiating that conversation. And then she just makes it way fucking better. It's kind of like me being like, oh, here's what you're saying. And here, let's make this happen. Like a normal human being. And I'm like, oh, thank you. God, that was harrowing. And I think this is a really good example of something you said at the beginning tonight, which is just how we play team around the game we're playing. Because in that very first conversation, very early on, like, we both like really explicitly committed to like, that's welcome in the space. We're both super down for that. Like, yes, bring the clarity. Yes, I'm down to provide clarity. And that creates the safety for a lot of these more vulnerable moments. Like there's some moments where I, there was a moment early on where I was like, what's like, are you my boyfriend? Like, what is this? And there was a moment, there was a moment where recently where I was like, so so are you saying you want to get engaged or <laughs> not, not like what's going on? Like in those moments, there's a big part of my heart. That's like, <laughs> but just like having that foundation of like, I know Kevin's down to play that game. I know we're on the same page with how we approach clarity and the importance we put on it. And that just creates a ton of safety. Yeah. It's, it's wild. What I'm hearing in all of this is the safety that we're craving when we want to know that someone's going to be there is really the safety that we get when we get that clarity. Totally. Then there's there's nothing for us to figure out. There's right. what we see is what we get as much as we can, right? Because it's like well, there are going to be these moments where it's not going to be that easy, but at least you know that there's a commitment to that. Right, exactly. And I think the critical thing to name here is that that starts from day one. Yeah. And one of our favorite quotes how you build a thing is what the thing becomes. And that's been a really important principle because in every moment we're kind of like rebuilding, but the way it started, we were both crystal clear about what we wanted to change because we had had such painful experiences in the past. And we showed up really playing full out in that. And that created the context of like, oh, cool, here's how we're gonna do this. Not like we spent the first three months like playing out old patterns, and now we have to like course correct and put all this effort and energy into something. And so the reason I say that is really important is like how you start the thing plants the seed and the rest of it grows from there. And so it's critical to just be right at your edge of like, here's 
what I need to do in order to actually create an experience that I want and, and like no bullshit with yourself. You know, it's like really important, you know? Um, and I would, you know, I would also just invite men that are listening to this, like you got to create clarity from day one, like every step of the way. A good example of this is literal day one, literal first time Kevin and Herman and I ever spent time together. He walked into my house and at the time we had been like DMing for a little while. And I was like, what's the context of this hang? So I was planning on bringing up like, what's, what is this? And he was like, I'd love to drop in with some cacao before we hang out. And I was like, (laughs) great. And what I now know is a Kevy classic. And he said verbatim, he was like, I want to be really clear. I'm excited to get to know you. And I think you're great. And I don't want a relationship. Day one, hour one. (laughs) And obviously that's not necessarily how things unfolded. But I think what's important about that is that one, he brought clarity and honesty from the literal first second. And two, I really met him in that. I was like, great, that feels super clear. Like I'm down to play in that space. And both of us just stayed attuned to like what unfolded as things changed. But that was- Yeah, we were making out in the next like 20 minutes. (laughs) Of course. Oops. (laughs) I mean, with the sexual chemistry between you guys, I'm not surprised. (laughs) I wanted to finish your thing. That was even another moment of like, it just intuitively, I was like, Hey, I know I just said that. And also I noticed I really want to kiss you right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like every, at every moment, there's something that's going to come up and one, one can exist with the other. That's the, po- that's the whole point. Right. Yes. 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 Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I just think back to like, like, it's funny, Kev, as, as I've heard you say, like for the men listening, it's like, I'm on that side too of like, I've been the one that haven't been wanting to commit or haven't been da da da, you know? And I think so many women are like, but he's doing this and this and this. How could he not like me? And it's like, no, both can exist. It can all be true. He can be really, like, he can enjoy your presence. He can really want to fuck you. He can want to introduce you to his parents and not want to marry you. Right. I think what's made all the difference is that both of us are really committed to being super real time in what's true. Even if some of those things on the surface don't seem like they fit quote unquote fit together. And we're both really committed to just holding that from the other. I'm like, great. That's as true for you now divorce from what story you may have said last week and divorce from the expectation I have of you moving forward, but that's as true of you right now. And thank you. Yes. So good. Um, Two quick things on that before you. Yeah. Yeah. I I do want to say that that was a muscle that we also built because there were certain things that we like were really clear that happened in the moment, but very early on, it was a process of slowing down and really revealing things that had even happened a few days ago and a week ago that we were holding. And so not everything is going to be like, you might not have the, I might not have the courage in the moment, or I might not even be aware of what's happening in the moment, but at least creating, you know, a conversation and saying, wow, I noticed like this came up for me when you did that. And I actually just want to clear that. And that helps really, and and that muscle has built over time to now where we have a weekly check-in on our relationship and we have a clearings section of the check-in. And now rarely are there clearings or it's actually more immediate where it's like literally 10 minutes ago, this thing happened. I just need to clear for us to drop into this process, you know? Um, But that took 
uh, time too. So I think just by creating that like leaned in mentality and let's create safety by being really honest with each other, that muscle has grown for sure. Mm. So I, I do want to name that. So good. Yeah. Cause I think we are in this human body that's flooded with emotion sometimes and that clouds your head and sometimes you don't know what you want or you don't know what to say. So there is time and space for that. And there is like a moment to kind of be in your feelings. And then when you're not, you can communicate from that space. Yeah. And I also, what I wanted to point out is that you're also two people who the comfort became uncomfortable enough to do something about it. You know, it became painful enough. Like both of you described pain. Yes. Like oh, so painful. I mean, I could say the same. I mean, there's only so many times that I can, that I, that I went through breaking up with someone in this dramatic way where I was lying to them the whole time. And then it was like, I don't want to be with you. That was so painful that, that now it's gotten to the point where like, even on my dating profile, I'll say exactly everything there is to say, you know, like I'm here in LA and I don't want to live here. So it's like, I'm in LA, I'm here until this time. I never want to live here. <laughs> And I'm a nomad, you know, and and I and know I'm that looking for a lovership. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So someone literally asked me, like, what are you looking for? And I and I'm like, I'm looking for connection. I'm looking for authenticity. I'm looking for fun. Like, I don't have to have it be I'm looking for a relationship or I'm looking for fun. I think that's a very outdated concept that, I, that, that that's exactly why you guys are on this podcast, you know, because <laughs> it's not about that. It's about what you're creating with this person. And, and the labels are just a false sense of security. 100%. Mm. Yeah. And I really, what I really hear in that too, is also just the agency to write your own story. Like, I think there's a lot of bullshit in the collective, as they say. And like in my old story where I was like, oh, I have to pick one or the other. I have to pick like insane sexual charge or a ton of like safety and clarity. And I, right, and I have, I have to pick something like super fun and like playful and stays that way for a long time, or I need to be ready for like a committed relationship. And that's just not true, not true. And it was, it unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, it just took like massive breakdown and pain for me to get to the spot of like, no, I'm, willing to hold the possibility that all those can be true at the same time. And I'm willing to do what it takes to write that story. And just to piggyback on that, also welcoming breakdown and pain in our space, because that is what leads to new perspectives and new understandings of, oh, I don't want to do it this way. Right. And there's total space for that because of, I think the experience we've been through and being like, I'm not going back there. And also there are sneaky parts of me that do want to go back there, you know, and I'm like, I'm a messy, you know, mixture of all my experiences and traumas and beliefs and all these things and, and passed down relationship narratives, right? Not just what is being fed to us in, in our culture and media and all this stuff, but how my parents did it, how my ancestors did it. Like there's so much, there's so much in our spaces that we're carrying and it takes a lot of vigilance to stay really true to what our hearts want, what our souls want, what, and, you know, and, and a, a focus on that, like a real, like meticulous focus on what actually wants to come in here, not all the stuff that we've already done. Um, and that may sound a little abstract, but like, I think that's really important is, and, and, and seeing, pain and breakdown and, and problems as 
just again, doorways to new worlds, doorways to new opportunities, new ways of relating, new ways of actually creating the story that we want to co-author together. And I think the, the frame on relationship that I would just like love if everyone had was like, no, you get to really write this in your own way. Like you're, you're authoring something new and there's nothing more empowering, but also if you want juicy fucking sex and aliveness oh and God. like, and safety, like you have to, you absolutely have to write it in your own way. Snapping. That's exactly yeah. what I want to talk about next. So keep going. <laughs> next question, baby. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I'm hearing just like so much intention and attention placed on that aspect of you guys of like what you're creating and how to have harmony in the relationship. So then how do you do the same when it comes to turn on and creativity and keeping that flame alive in the relationship? Where do we start? I know, right? Well, I'll, I'll just start by, and then I'd love to hear from you because she's the turn on queen. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick to hear, like, I'm just going to share this. because Please. Yeah, Meg, Meg, Meg will like orgasm like 30 plus times when we're having sex. So hot. That's over the course of multiple hours. Blessed. But I mean, <laughs> I've, I'm, I have that capacity also. So like yeah. high five. Yeah. yeah. So, For anyone listening, that is cultivatable. Yes. I didn't orgasm until I was 23. Wow. Oh, my God. I don't know if you knew this, but my first time orgasming, I was like four. (laughs) Wait, tell tell us. Tell us what happened. As a kid, I I was like a compulsive masturbator. Wow. Yeah. It was like my stress reliever. (laughs) So it's like funny, like how blessed of a child I was. I was like so connected to my pleasure. Um, but also, yeah, like from age four, I was masturbating in public and it was like a thing for my mom. (laughs) I love this. I would, I would just like go up to a bench and like start humping the bench, you know? (laughs) What was the first time? Do you remember? Like, did you just like find a bench or what? I don't remember, but my mom did tell me a story about like, um, a glasses store where where she was like looking at these glasses and I was off to the side like humping something and <laughs> and obviously she felt shame you know she's human and her little four-year-old is, is like amazing yeah amazing so <laughs> the one thing I just want to turn it over to the pleasure queen over here yes is you, you said like keeping the flame alive and that since the beginning of our relationship has been a core principle for us is to actually focus on we call it the fire but like our shared it's like when two people are in a relationship there's always a third entity that's created there's always a, a thing between them that is greater than the sum of our parts and by like our focus is on that and what that needs right and so, yeah, we're dealing with like our personal needs and like that, but we're always, you know, there's always a listening for what does the fire actually need, right? What would, does the fire need to feel nourished and alive? And what happens is when our focus being on that is that fire has actually become so momentous and powerful and nourishing for us 
that it actually sustains us quite often when we're in breakdown and we're like, the shit is hitting the fan and we're all over the place, but the fire is just so constant because we've been focusing on it. And I think that oftentimes my experience in the past is I get so caught up in interpersonal dynamics and focusing on the other person and like how I wanted them to be different or like what I needed that like I wasn't getting or there wasn't this focus on no, there's something much bigger here. And if we just focus on that and listen to what's there, then the whole perspective on what we're doing changes entirely because it's not about us, right? It's about the health of this thing. And the health of that thing is also what impacts other people when they're around us. Right. Like that yeah. is the thing that is going to have the most impact in the world. The, the health of that thing is what's going to elevate our personal careers, our health, right? Our well-being in such a holistic sense. You look at any area of the wheel of life and like that, the health of that thing is going to be the ultimate multiplier, right? And that's become really important for like, you know, uh, this is a super, this is like creating, creating a focus on that. It becomes a superpower and a, and a big multiplier for like, my career is like way better than when we started, like <laughs> 10X, right? And uh-huh. she's taken off. And so there's like, I think that's something that people don't really, you know, I didn't see before. And I don't hear a lot of people talking about in the relationship space is like this thing, if you focus on the right aspect of it can absolutely like, blast your life off. So mm-hmm. I, like, that's just the frame I'm coming from around flame. Um, and yeah, I'd love to hear from you. What keeps this juicy and alive? <laughs> so many things. I'll laser through a couple of these. Um, I think first and foremost, I mean, not to be dead horse to hear this, say this a lot, but we really sat down and we're like, what are we creating around this? Like, let's play the same game when it comes to sex. Like, what do you want out of sex? what do I want out of sex? Like, what do I want our sex life to be like? And we had a lot of like similar values there because it's important for both of us to have that be really playful and have it be really full of deep intimacy and so on and so forth. And that could look super different for every human on the planet. And that's great. There's so many different ways to have a sex life that feels really fulfilling. Right. Um, and just bringing that into the space and knowing what was important to each of us and what was important to the other, let us just track that in the day-to-day. Um, and something for us to come back to, like, hey, what does an intimacy practice look like this week? How can we deepen that? Hey, I'm super excited to play in this new area. Great. And Kevin knows that. I know that that's already the space. So that's already default met with a reception of like, oh, amazing. This is playtime. Like, yeah, let's try that new vibrator. Yeah, let's try this new dildo. Oh, strap on, great. Butt plug, fun. Like we, there's already a, a common knowledge that we're down to explore. And that's coming from an intention of just getting to know our bodies better, getting to know the other body better, getting to just play with pleasure and find out what feels good. And so just having that be like commonly acknowledged just allows for a ton of openness around whatever the hell we want. Right. (laughs) And yeah. And I think the other thing I'll say, and I'm kind of speak from my experience, obviously, but I think another thing that's really important in my space that keeps our space really juicy is my commitment to my self-pleasure and knowing my body. Uh, Like that's 
that's sacred territory for me is to stay really committed to that. Um, because one that just keeps more pleasure in my body, Uh like keeps me just generally higher on the pleasure meter and like generally closer to orgasm at any given moment, which is why not? Uh And the better I know my body, the more I can participate with Kevin to have that pleasure come into our space. Like this feels good. This doesn't touch me here. I want this now. Like the more vocabulary and a map that I have around that, the more I have the literal tools to make that alive in our space. Um, uh, two quick things here. One is a lot of this conversation happened when we were talking about the type of relationship container that we wanted to have. And so we, after we started, you know, we went through our relationship portal and we're like, we're in a relationship now. Then we took an entire month and we had numerous conversations around sex, intimacy, like identity, right? Um, Sexuality, all this different stuff. And we ended up landing on a monogamish container where there's a deep commitment to our fire and what we're up to and like love in this space being the primary thing. And we're open to go play with other people because we both like that. And what actually that created a lot of space for Mm -hmm. welcoming new energies into our sex, sex life, basically, Mm -hmm. because it created a freedom. And this is a key frame that we landed on too, was like, we don't want like a relationship that's rule bound, but we want to create a sexual sandbox that we can play in and that we can always like expand, right? Like this, this is the playground. Like we get to have it be that way versus I think in my experience in the past, I would create cages for relationship. It was like, here are the rules. You have to do this. And then I'm going to feel safe. But because the focus had been on safety from the beginning with clarity, then that created the safety in our nervous systems to be like, cool, how do we want to play? So we created this container and that's been really beautiful. We both hooked up with other people, but it's also created more of a dialogue around, wow, what actually turns you on about that person? What's their energy that you get really turned on by? And rather than making that wrong, celebrating it and being like, fuck yeah. But also how can we incorporate that energy in our container? Like, and this is where fantasy and role-playing comes in too of like, awesome, you know, wow, that really turned you on. And now I get to try and embody that. Um, like we had a, we had a moment, we were in Berghain in Berlin. Oh my God. And there was this fucking Viking of a man, this like Norwegian guy and Meg and him just immediately like click. Freddie, if you're listening to this, I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> and it was so hot for me because I could see how turned on she was. And I could see that his energy is way different than mine. Like he's an actual mastodon of like a man. And I'm just not like, I'm a little more like fluid and, you know, it's like, I have a different energy, but what's really cool. I noticed is actually the next time we had sex, I actually started to like embody and feel that energy because I wanted to bring it into our space. And I fucked the shit out of her. And I was like, absolutely, totally, totally different energy than I'd ever had in sex. Um, And that, again, just having that frame and allowing other energies into our space creates a lot more range in what we can experience sexually 
keeps the fire alive, right? Keeps things juicy. And it keeps us open to new experiences and possibilities because there's only so much I in this one human body and experience can be with her, right? And I'm like, I want her to experience everything she wants to experience, you know? And vice versa, like we have these distinct energies, but we're not everything for each other. Thank God. Yeah. And that's like, that would be super fucking boring, right? But there's this whole world now we can go play with because the sandbox is open in that way. But we know we're really committed to the love of this relationship as the primary thing, right? Um, and I think, you know, the other, the other important thing here is we have to, to keep the juiciness alive, to go back to that question. And we got this from our therapist, Raven Wells, who's awesome. Um, but we, we are focused on playing two games in the relationship. One is processing, right? Is like, do I feel heard? Do I feel seen? Do I feel understood? Talking about things, verbal communication, right? And that's really important for relationship health. And the other one is polarity, right? How much of a, how potent do I feel as a man and how, like juicy and sexy does she feel as a woman? Now we flip poles in the polarity, which is like a fun thing that also keeps it more alive. But generally speaking, like, do I feel potent? Does she feel juicy? And part of our relationship check-in every week is where's the polarity at, right? So we're tracking all this stuff. We're like really connecting with where is it? Um, and a focus on that game and learning that skill set because again, that's not taught in relationship, like in our culture processing is taught more, right? People can talk things out, but are, are we ensuring that like, I'm in my full potent, like masculine self and that we're polarizing each other. And so again, just simply having an awareness and a focus on it creates a lot of opportunities to deepen in that and keep it juicy. Yeah. And I think last thing I'll say is both of us which also just in terms of keeping the fire alive, keeping that spark alive is we tend it very regularly. Like we don't focus on like cultivating sexual energy just when we're like laying down to have sex. Like it's something that we're constantly yeah. attuned to. And whether that's like sneaking a kiss between meetings or sending each other thirst traps on Thursdays, thirst trap Thursdays, by the way, best ritual, Ever. highly recommend, highly recommend. Or just calling out like, wow, you feel so sexy right now. Like there is just a constant attunement to that and like both cultivating that in ourselves and honoring that and calling that out in the other and like just like dropping little like twigs on the fire in between like the quote unquote sexual experiences. Like sex is always happening. Yeah. In that not penetrative sex, but like I, there has never been a time I've spent time with Meg in person and not grabbed her ass numerous times. <laughs> like it's just part of it's part of the culture right? right where it's like this is a culture of turn on and there are a million different ways to create that even via text or voice note right um and we and or not even like sex related like he'll say something about what did you send me the other day that was like so sexy i don't know he sent me something like insightful about kim kardashian or britney spears or something <laughs> insightful and I, like, and I was like oh my god i'm so turned on <laughs> Okay. Because, because I know that turns her on, like, <laughs> right. I, I, I like know how she feels about, it was a Kim Kardashian thing where I was like, 
I agree. I think this is brilliant and she thinks it's brilliant. And so I like, I'm not, I'm not manipulating her. I'm just being like, I know this will turn you on. And I actually legitimately think this one thing is brilliant. And so I'm going to send it to you and like little thing that has nothing to do with sex, but it's like, I see you, I get you and here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so much to say about all these things, but also there's just like the element that sex is, is penetrative in the sense that you can penetrate someone in different ways that isn't like with your dick, you know, like there's also just penetrating of energy. There's receiving and giving, there's that polarity that you can keep um, alive through so many different things. And what I'm hearing a lot in what you guys are saying is that the rule book was like, make her feel seen, make her feel loved, give her flowers, compliment her. And actually, we're so much more complex and specific and personal than that, right? Like Meg specifically gets turned on by certain things. Kevin specifically gets turned on by certain things. And there's like a curiosity that you guys are both bringing and attention to that, you know? And I'm curious about your your both of your personal journeys when it comes to valuing your own needs because mm. to get to the level of like – let me share with you what I want and what I, what's on my mind and what I need means that you guys have a lot of value on what you need, you know, because like you need to have a level of, of, of self-esteem to be able to communicate on, on your levels. And I'm sure you have moments where that slips. So I'd love to hear your each of your experiences when it comes to like your own personal needs and when it comes to communicating those. Oh, such a good question. Um, here's the short version of my journey. You guys got a taste of it already. Um, I grew up in a fundamental evangelical church environment and wait, pause. Have you guys done a sexual fantasy thing around that? Oh, Oh, that's good. It's not one of my top fantasies, but we can for sure do that. Thanks. Anyway, continue. It just felt like that was a good Maybe, role play opportunity. <laughs> you've got like a, a little pastor fantasy that I don't know about yet. We can talk. Which, yeah. We can talk. Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there is a lot of beautiful pieces in that experience that oh, I'm choir, hot choir boy, not pastor. Well, it depends if there's a dom or sub situation. Doming the choir boy or being dommed by the pastor. You probably prefer the choir boy, don't you? <laughs> no, we did turn it back on. <laughs> um, but just given that, the biggest slash only story that I heard around, I heard and fucking wired over 20 odd years and like got in my body was that pleasure is sinful. Your body can't be trusted. That's not important. That's only valid to act on if it's in the container of a God-honoring, heterosexual, monogamous marriage. Childbearing. Childbearing marriage. Post-marriage. And any expression of pleasure outside of that, one, is something you should be like actively trying to avoid. Definitely can't be trusted. And my body primarily isn't mine. I need to dress to please these other people. I need to make sure I do or do not do this with my body so that the men stay safe so that they don't lust. And my value as a being of, of someone to be interacted with in a sexual capacity and a pleasure capacity is only in this one specific area. 
And that's what I carried with me for 22, 23 years. And this is a whole other podcast. I would love to talk to anyone about it. Slide into my DMs if you're hearing any of this and you're like, fuck, I hear that. Um, But it was a very, very painful journey to rewire a lot of that. Um, And it started from the entry point. And at, at this point I was like 23 and I'm like, I was like, I have no idea how to bumble into this. I have no idea what to Google or who to talk to. But what I do know is that sexuality is part of my being and that pleasure is part of being a human. And because of that alone, it's something that's worth honoring. And, and it was a really painful, like four or five years stumbling into like, fuck what, I mean, I was at the point of disassociation with my body where you could, especially in areas of, in moments of charge of whether that be like turn on or stress or whatever, you could literally like touch my arm and I wouldn't feel it like complete dissociation. So it was years, years were of journey to just slowly build those neural pathways back. Like, oh, I can feel something in my body. Okay. Fast forward. Okay. Now I have vocabulary around like what this feeling is. Okay. Now I have a little bit more of a map to like, if I do this, I know it'll feel good. Okay. And all this time to rewire this like massive internal shame narrative of like, oh, I'm doing this and I shouldn't, I'm going to hell. So it was a whole journey. And I think because of my specific path around that and how much of a painful journey that was, I just picked up along the way, a really fierce advocacy and protection around that of like, this is so precious and it is something so integral to the human experience. And I have fought so hard to know myself and be connected to myself and be in a space where I can feel this way. There is no way in hell, like not from a place of like chip on my shoulder, but from a place of deep love and commitment to myself in that there is no way I am going to let any other system or human erode that again. So that's where that came from for me. I'll be really honest. Like I'm still figuring out what I want. That is not a done journey. (laughs) And for me, uh, that a lot of it is that journey has just been exploring on myself and my own body. And yeah, self-pleasuring, honestly, and figuring out what feels good. And mostly though, it's just been like a really challenging process of unwiring porn from my brain because of how devastating that's been to my preconceived notions about sex, what should happen and how I started watching at a young age. And so I just like had, you know, however many years in high school and after where I was just like, that was it. And so it's been, uh, and it's sneaky. Like I'll find myself still like I'm so much more aware and conscious of how I'm showing up in sex, but I still have this like deep programming where it's like, it's gotta be like this, yeah. you know, it's like mm. gotta be like a fucking <laughs> porno or it isn't enough and she's not going to be happy. And like, I'm a piece of shit. And it's like really deep still. Um, and we actually did a workshop this past weekend that I felt like opened up a lot more um, subtle ways to approach and have sex. 
Um, but I think honestly, the way I've, you know, built that muscle is just by learning to ask for what I want and just being really, that's part of the polarity thing is just being even directive in it. Like, Hey, do this, like, Hey, do this. Yeah. Did you always feel like that, that confidence in yourself and your voice? Absolutely not. I'm still building it. Like I said, like, I'm still figuring that out. I feel like I feel less attuned to like what I need than you do in some ways. Got it. Because I'm like, yeah. I, I do have a lot of performance anxiety of like, I have to show up in this way. Like, But I think what has helped the most is that every single time I've had an authentic desire of like, here's what I really want. And I shared it, feeling her response to the authenticity of that made me feel like I felt more safe in being able to share another one and just going down that journey and being like, wow, like go down on me. Or like, I'd love for you to finger me or, you know, like just whatever the specific thing is. And then just feeling her be like a fuck yes to that or like a no, no, not right now, but fuck yes to you <laughs> has helped me be like, oh, cool. Like I do want things and I can ask for them. And like, that's cool. And actually it's really fucking hot. <laughs> and so that is a journey I'm still on. Um, but it's been a mixture of me understanding myself through self-pleasure and then just fumbling into asking Yeah. in previous relationships and this one, but I, I've done a lot of work on that in this one. Wow. Yeah. It's so powerful. You're, you're just reminding me of men that I've dated and, and how much I would focus on them feeling safe expressing and, and then completely forget about myself, you know, like, let me focus on them feeling safe, which was actually terrible because then I would leave. So I would have them feel the most vulnerable, the most safe. And that was the moment where I was like pulling the I'm plug, uh-huh, <laughs> traumatizing to them. <laughs> so, yeah, I um. I, I get where you're coming from. And, and that actually leads me to the next question for Meg, which is when when Kevin's in those places of, of feeling more vulnerable or more in his feminine, I've never been able to ask this because I've never been in that position, but a lot of women ask. And so I want to ask in um, on their behalf of like what to do in those moments when your man is being vulnerable and soft and you feel uncomfortable by it. So would love to hear your experience on that. Mm, that's a good question. I'm so curious to your response. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of curious to hear your experience with this. Go for it. After I respond. Um, a message to all the ladies out there. Yeah, I think there's a few things that pop to mind. I think the first is that I really stay attuned to my own heart and keeping it really open because there can be so many moments where like I a lot of my nervous system fall into like, Oh no, what do I do? What do I quote unquote do? And so I think first and foremost, it's just always remembering like how I feel and in, in that and what he feels in me is going to be so much more impactful than any like fucking thing I say. Wow. Yes. It's like turn these tables, right? Women. Like if you, if, if I'm really vulnerable and like, I'll just like simplify that. So Kevin's saying all the right things, but I feel him like uncomfortable and shutting down. Like that's going to keep, that's what's going to communicate. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Versus if I, if I hear him not saying anything, but I feel him really with me and really open to my experience, like that's, what's going to land. So I think that's first and foremost, what I do is in very consciously 
keep myself out of the mental spiral of like, oh, what is the right thing to do here? What am I supposed to say? What and like, what? And really come back to my heart and just being really with him and keeping my heart really open and just like energetically fucking title waving love out. And I think the other thing that I really try to remember is a lot of that narrative, like, oh, what should I say? What should I do? Like, if I really play that out, it's a lot of my ego saying like, oh, I need to like make him feel better so that mm-hmm. I feel better. Right. It's like, it's your own discomfort, right? So right. it's like getting exactly. rid of your own discomfort. Right. And so I'm like, that's not what I want to be driving. So it's really staying open. And the other thing that I do is just really, and this is going to start off a little woo, but then I'll make it really real. I just really stay connected to the masculine in myself because like more than anything, like I think what allows for safety in that space is for him to feel me really grounded. Like he can be as feminine or upset or vulnerable as he wants. And tell for him to like, know that I'm fucking here and I've got it and I'm not going anywhere. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like, like if I see it in a visual, it's the difference between seeing someone on the ground and trying to pick them up as opposed to just like being there with them and like being solid. Like there's no trying to get someone out of anything. It's just like being there solid with them. Right. Exactly. And just really staying attuned to what he needs. Like sometimes that's me asking, like, how can I support you? And sometimes that's just me listening to be like, and really just staying present again, not like, oh, what do I think I should say to like, quote unquote, solve this or fix this or better it. But actually what does he need right now? And so just keeping my heart really open in that staying really present. Like just noticing what's here and not like checking out mentally to be like, okay, why is this happening? What does he need next? to do just staying really present with what's here and letting that be all that matters damn that yeah that's really really powerful i mean i i'm actually now thinking back to times where i've been in the situation and because of like my own defense mechanisms i've found myself even disgusted by a man when he's crying and when he's fully open and it's just my own yeah it's just like my own discomfort with the vulnerability and openness you know so yeah, so it's powerful. I think another thing that's really powerful for me and that I was for myself is like, this is Kevin sharing more of his heart with me mm-hmm. in a really tender, tender way. And like, that's the biggest gift. And like, just coming out through that lens, I'm like, oh, of course I want to move towards you. Like, what a beautiful thing to be invited into. Right. Oh, you know, and it's like, wow. Yeah, you know, it's really powerful because if you think about it from the place that I've been in in my past where there is that pressure of like, oh, no, I have to lift you up now. There is that pressure where it's like you just get to be with that person and they're going to you, you trust them that they're going to figure it out. They're going to be OK. Whereas that disgust could just be like, oh, now I'm feeling trapped because now we need to take care of you and I don't know how to do that. And this is too much. I think what's really important to clarify here is I imagine some of the question that's being asked is from women dealing with men who are being vulnerable when there isn't the clarity and the safety in the mm-hmm. space. Mm. And that's a very different thing. Like, yeah. Tell us more about how to create that. 
Well, I'm just saying like everything we've shared about like clarity from the front, how you build a thing is what it becomes, being vulnerable, like creating processes for clearing stuff. But I'm just trying on a woman being in a situation where like I'm crying my eyes out and sharing my heart with her. And I haven't said, hey, I want to be with you. And I want you. And I like, you're the one like, and that's a very different dynamic. And I would not open your heart to that man. <laughs> like that is, that's manipulative, right? That's like, I want you to be my mom and my therapist, but I don't actually want you. And so I just, for the women listening, like, don't just do what Meg said, like, unless there's the safety mm -hmm. to open your heart. That's important. Yeah, definitely. I think even clarity about like even the smallest things about what is happening in that moment like hey this is what I'm going through and I need someone to just listen or to hold space or yeah just even clarity about what is needed in the moment for sure my next question is what do you do in those moments where you're completely turned off by each other Oh, yes, tonight. Yeah, because I'm like, no one talks about this. So like, let's let's talk about that. Like, what happens when you're actually like, ugh? Yeah, I mean, any couple things that come to mind, we name it. Like, there's been times where Kevin's told me before, like, I'm just not feeling turned on by you right now. Like, that has come out of his mouth. Like, yes. I'm, I'm cringing behind That's the true. camera, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And I think in that, and again, just kind of the space created, like one, I know that's really true in the moment. So like, great. All I want is what's true for you. And the deeper truth that I know he's committed to is like, I'm super fucking in this. So like that allows for that, like momentary truth to be like, great, we're fucking human. You know, life happens. You have a stressful day. You retire. Maybe the body doesn't feel good. Whatever. Like right. that's super You're not real. a robot. Yeah, yeah I, I, a few things come to mind here. Um, one is whenever I am not feeling turned on or I'm feeling like, uh, it's always a judgment that's going on for mm. me. And whenever I notice that, it's immediately a signal to me that something's up in me. And I look at that first and I'm, I can just like notice it right away of like noticing the thought mm -hmm. object of what I'm judging, right? Whether it be like energy, body, like expression, communication, like whatever the thing is, um, I've got something up and I actually got to clean that up and look at it. And it's pretty easy once it's just an awareness of like, anytime there's turn off, it's judgment. And that's my shit. And like, let me go. And it, like, as soon as the awareness is there, it's like, oh, okay, easy, right? Um, and and also being in communication about it, of just being honest. Um, we we don't struggle with this as much, I think because of the, again, like all of the things that we've built to ensure that it, the aliveness is the most important thing. Um, it's actually been honestly more of a practice for us since we're, uh, our, our coach therapist termed us as a very type A couple. <laughs> um, it's more of a practice for us to actually just slow the fuck down and create more intentional space for there not to be constant high level arousal. <laughs> um, <laughs> because we're so good at like, yes, keep it alive. And we both have very fiery personalities. It's been more of like, how do we slow down? How do we just do something that's really simple that isn't high intensity and just relax and like nourish each other in different ways. 
And I think the last thing for me that feels important about this is like in moments of turnoff, also just coming back to what I want, Mm -hmm. because there's a big difference in me not feeling turned on and not wanting to be turned on Mm -hmm. for whatever reason versus me not being turned on and wishing I was. Yes. The frustration. Right. They're so different. And so either way, just getting for me to be clear on what I want regardless and just inviting Kevin into that. Like, you're like, Hey, I'm like not feeling turned on. And I just don't feel like I have the capacity for sex right now for X, Y, Z versus I'm not really turned on, but I really love to be. Can you help with that? Which he does beautifully. Yeah. There's so much permission in that. And I think that it, it connects back to what you guys said that it is possible to keep the fire alive, that if there's turnoff, then your body's literally like there, there's a block there, which can be caused by judgment, you know, like, like it's, it's also connected. So if you keep looking at those judgments, then there is the possibility to clear out what's in the way of the turn on. Yeah, totally. And so I think there's, that's like the processing game of like, wow, noticing a judgment, talking about it or clearing it myself, internal processing. And then the other lens is the polarity game. Wow. I'm not feeling turned on. Like I've actually done this. Like, Hey, can you like pleasure me? Can you turn me on? Right. Like what she just said. Or if I'm not feeling turned on, oftentimes, like rather than processing myself and thinking about whatever the turnoff is and getting too in my head about it, if I just take an action towards her in that moment and lean into like her, I can create turn on in myself, right? It's like, wow, I'm feeling turned off. Great. Let me go just like, grab her and like kiss her and like let me you know let me just like take her and all of a sudden and all of a sudden it's <laughs> not there anymore you know what i mean so i think it's like very often that people like it's like easy to get stuck in our heads and think that something's wrong and we need to fix something or the other person's a problem when it a very simple fix is actually just getting into physical connection again mm-hmm. And that energy moves really quickly once it's back in a polarity game and not just like, yeah, I'm stuck in a processing game. Damn. I'm just like, oh God, you guys need to create a whole program for couples around this. Seriously. <laughs> I'm just like- You're the first person to say that tonight. It's coming. Yeah. I'm not surprised. It's funny. I used to, oh, I just, I'm laughing at myself because I used to be a video producer. So every time I saw something, I would say, you know, that would make a really good piece of branded content. And so now the, the version of this is like, that would make a really good three month program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask you guys one last question and I'm going to have you on again, but I want to keep it, you know, potent. I would love to hear what you each have learned about yourself that's surprising and exciting through sex. Ooh, that's such a good question. Yeah, what parts of yourselves have you learned? What what like depths of yourself have you gotten into? Maybe like scary parts, you know? There's a couple things coming to mind. There's probably a lot here. That's out with it. I think the first is that I've been surprised many times at how unpredictable my body is. Like I'll get into like in just what it wants. You know, uh, like, well, we get having sex and I'm like, oh, all of a sudden I like really want this. Like, I really want that. And like, didn't see that coming. And so that's something I've really been surprised about is just how, how many curveballs this little body's got. And just 
And it just helps keep me out of my head too, because, you know, I can think like, oh, this is how I want sex to be tonight. I want just really like loving, sweet, slow love making. And then we're in it 20 minutes later and I'm like, fuck me silly. Like I am insatiable, Mm. like scratching, biting. Like, so it's very unpredictable. How has that then affected your life? Like what, what have you seen change in your life because of that? I've seen me become, especially over the course of these last 10 months, um, I've seen myself really start to become more attuned to that in the rest of my life. But like the wisdom of my body in the minute to minute versus like the mental script I have of like, this is how the thing will play out. And that muscle is relevant in so many other spaces. Like obviously not in a sexual way as much, but like on my coaching calls with my people or when I'm discerning what business partners and collaborators to work with or who to hire, or I'm in a charge situation and like, what's the next right move? I've noticed myself so over time, more and more and more attuned and ready to listen to what my body and intuition is telling me in the moment. Your pussy. My pussy. Listening to the pussy. Yes. So fucking wise. She truly is. Can I share what I think I've seen you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then you also have to share for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the mic. <laughs> um, I really think your body and how unpredictable is, but what you said too, I've really seen how I think you've been surprised at how I don't know if it's insatiable, but like how capacity the capacity and like the depth of desire of your pussy specifically yeah. yes and like there yeah. a big process we've been through too is we would get to points where meg is such an orgasmic being that we would get to these places in your experience where you'd be like oh no this is too much i gotta like shut it down mm-hmm. um, or i gotta like come back yeah um, and it's been like overwhelming and um i don't know exactly what that feels like in my body but I can imagine um and that's fucking terrifying right of being like I have no control like I'm just totally in the ass yeah Yeah, it's wild it is a wild thing that's a wild Wild. and I think I've seen you actually just trust your pussy more and more and more Mm -hmm. um and just see how and feel how like deep and endless that desire is at times it's not always like that but Mm -hmm. it's like how far it goes yeah how just like Power to the pussy. Power to the pussy. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Bless. Bless. Uh, <laughs> um, for me, it's been kind of, you know, logically the polar opposite. As uh, you've mentioned this a few times tonight, or you talked about in your panel, is like the wolf, the more animal, primal. Uh, Meg calls it the Viking. Um, but the Viking in me that, One, I didn't know how powerful that aspect of me was in terms of the impact it could have on her and her body. In a good Um, way. In a good way, right? Of like just ferociously taking her like deeper and further and like just the, the, how penetrative that aspect of my being is. And the, yeah, the, imp, the impact that it has, like total predator, yeah. total predator, right? Um, and there's one time where that got scary because it was like, oh, I lost a bit of my own awareness. Like normally I'm very attuned in that. And I'm like, I am totally with you right now. And I'm a predator, but I can feel your heart and I can feel me. 
And there was one moment and that was really scary was like, I actually lost a bit of the heart open connection and I was just the predator. And that was fucking terrifying. Cause I was like, Oh shit. Like yeah, it's kind of like Hulk, like Hulk like, is out and you're Hulk, like, Hulk, Hulk, you're a human come right. back. And that's like, really, that was really like, if you're asking about like the scarier aspect to it, it was like to just be totally gone, but still have that. And like, I wasn't totally gone, but you know, to have a flavor of that. And I'm like, Oh, this is how really damaging things happen in the world. Right. To without with, consciousness, right. Without consciousness. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the experience of that. And also like, that's been the scary part of it, but I've seen it everywhere in my life, like more willing to just be super direct. Like I've, you know, I've made more money this year than I have. Like, it's just a, it's like a, a power and a confidence, but really just like, it's in my bones and in my like cells, you know, and I feel it most actively when I'm having sex or it's a weekend. Right. Um, but I notice it just in general, there's just a different energy that I have that I've, I've connected with a lot more deeply. And I didn't have that in relationships before. I think I was so caught up in performance anxiety and I used to really struggle with premature ejaculation and like really didn't like, I was so caught up in my head and like trying to get it right that I couldn't ever access this part. But I think through the, like the safety of this process, uh, I've gotten uh, out of that a lot. And another thing I've discovered is like, I can fucking last forever. I can last a really long time. Ow, and ow. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I like hours, to- days. <laughs> I'm not joking. I am um, not joking. But like, and I used to have this belief, like a really deep belief that like, I was like, I was a wimp. I was a pussy. Like that was the, like the narrative is like, I was just going to come immediately. Right. Um, and it's been really inspiring to be like, oh, that's not true. And also where else in my life do I have some bullshit story? That's like <laughs> actually so far from the truth. Right. Um, and I, I think the last thing I'll say about this and almost the scariest part of this is like, I actually don't even know how powerful I can be. And like, I don't even know where that could lead or go and, and not knowing and not having like a clear map and just like fumbling my way into it is, is scary in a way where it's like, I don't even know. And part of me doesn't want to know because it's wants to stay safe. Right. So I think that's been a big part of this journey too, is just being like, oh, I'm a power, powerful motherfucker and let me live that out um, and see what happens and not be worried about the what does happen because I do know that I will stay attuned to the impact that I have in life. Like I've got the heart and the awareness and the perception of what impact I do have. Um, and so I'm, I'm very confident. I'm not going to lose consciousness and like become a fucking monster. Right. Um, it's, it's more of like, Oh shit, how powerful can I be? Wow. Amazing, guys. I mean, I think what I'm coming to in my life is how much a relationship is just another way in this universe to, um, in Spanish, the word is potenciarte, which is like potentiate yourself, like reach your potential, you know? I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's a word in English, but it's like. Actualize. Yeah, actualize. Exactly. Like it all goes back to you. 
So there is that fire to mend and and that is going to actualize yourself in some way and in whatever journey you're you're on and whatever you're healing and whatever you're creating in the world. Thank you so much, both of you, for opening your hearts on here. I have not had this much fun on an episode before. Yeah. <laughs> Way to create that. Way to keep it juicy tonight. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. Um, for those who are listening, check out Kevin's earlier podcast um, episode. It's one of the highest listened to um, on the podcast. And yeah, compare and contrast because it, it is really interesting to hear where he was then and where he is now because um, you talked about then of all these things that he did with this mystery, incredible woman and now we have her here um, and we're hearing it. We're hearing it live. So yeah, how can how can they get in touch with you guys? Instagram is best for me. My handle is House of Morrow, H-O-U-S-E, like a building. And then of Morrow, O-F-M-A-R-O. See you there. Yeah, slide head first into my DMs, please. It's at Kev, K-E-V underscore H-E-R-M-A-N-N, Kev Herman. Or if you find Meg, you'll probably find me. And so. vice versa. <laughs> and they have they also have a joint Instagram account. Ah, that's right. Yes, we do. Yeah. Check us out at Sidewalk Gods. For all your style, streetwear, fashion needs. Yeah. <laughs> that's the real juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're gonna be very jealous of all of our outfits. We should have started with that. That's actually the that's, next that's the, the next pod is about self-expression tonight. Yeah. Love it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. It's yeah. been so fun, so juicy. And I actually, I'm really curious for people who are listening, like what, and like specifically, like what resonated for you mm-hmm. or like, where did you feel yourself the most in this? And I'm just curious about that because, you know, part of our, both of our missions are really helping people reconnect with their own internal authority and mm-hmm. their own truth. And the easiest way to access that is just noticing where you light up mm-hmm. and hearing stuff. So I'd love to just know what lit you up and, and what's there for you around that specifically, because not all of this is going to land. And so um, that's, I think, what we're here for. If you do want to ever reach out to us is let mm-hmm. us know, like, because I want to know more about you. And if you tell me what lit you up, then I know so much more about who you are and not just, you know, the right thing to say. Let's know. Let's know. I know. Comment the hell out of this podcast. Yeah. I shared that story that I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, and so many people commented. I also noticed that even people went and liked it. Check out the stuff that that they write about on on their socials too, because it's very very impactful. Hey you! Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Commitment Phobe. If you like what you heard, make sure to share with your friends, your lovers, your ex-lovers, anyone that you think could benefit from having a conversation like this one. And it would be super helpful if you subscribed and left a five-star rating on iTunes to make sure that this podcast gets spread around to as many listeners as possible and we can start changing the conversation that we have around intimacy and relationships. If you want to find out more information about what I do as a women's coach and some of my other projects that I'm working on, you can find my information in the bio of this episode or you can reach out to me directly on Instagram and shoot me any questions that you have. See you next time.